0: Welcome to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast, your one-stop shop for building client relationships, scaling your business, and ultimately growing your income. When you are looking for your next step in personal and financial growth, we've got you covered with your host, number one international best-selling author and heart-centered sales expert, Connie Whitman.
1: Welcome to the Heart-Centered Sales Leader Podcast on webtalkradio.net. I, of course, am your Heart-Centered Sales Leader and host, Connie Whitman. Thanks for joining us this week. So as you listen to the show, I really do feel, I hope you feel my passion about changing that word sales from something that's icky and sleazy to really something of kindness, love, and respect for your client. If you're loving the show and loving me, please subscribe, rate, and review. I feel the love and it's so appreciated. Now, before we begin, you know, I will start with my motivational quote. And the quote today is by Mark Hunter. Now, Mark says, it's not about having the right opportunity. It's about handling the opportunity right. Now, if you're in sales or you're a sales leader, do you cold call? You, you should be, right? And how is that working out for you? And do you have a process that works and is successful. These are really important questions, I think, for every business owner, but for every business out there that is monitoring and looking at their bottom line results. So, of course, today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Wendy Weiss and Wendy is known as the queen of cold calling. Uh, she is an author, speaker, sales trainer, sales coach, and she is super organized as um, I'm sorry. She is recognized as one of the leading authorities on lead generation, cold calling and new business development. Now, Wendy helps clients speed up their sales cycle, reach more prospects directly, and generate more revenue. So please help me welcome Wendy to the show. Th- Wendy, thanks for taking the time and coming out and joining us today.
2: So happy to be here with you today, Connie. Thank yeah. you for inviting me.
1: Uh, my pleasure. So sales, kind of you're my jam, right? It's like my favorite thing to talk about. So um, I think we're going to have a fun conversation uh, first question. So you you have a, a standard like three-step approach that you use and you say it comes from when you or or from ballet. Can you just share your story and what those three steps are? Absolutely. I will begin by saying
2: I was never, ever supposed to be a sales trainer. I was actually supposed to be a ballerina. And uh, I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I moved to New York City, where I still live and work. I moved here when I was 17 to dance. I studied at the Joffrey Ballet School. Um, And uh, then eventually I went back to Pittsburgh. I danced with Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. I danced with the Cincinnati Ballet. Um, As you probably know, uh, ballet is one of the most exacting and demanding art forms and um, I do believe that everything I know in life and in business, I learned in ballet class. I love and it. And one of the things that I learned in ballet class, and I should share first how I got into this, which was I needed a day job. <laughs> I, I got a job with a telemarketing agency that did business development. And it turned out I was good at it, which was a complete surprise because ballet dancers, we don't talk. <laughs> we, we just dance, uh, but I you know I did that day job for a while and and then I started my own business where I had clients that i 'd represent, and I did business development for for them and then I segued into the business that I have today, which is working uh with businesses. Uh, that either have underperforming sales teams or they simply want to take their sales teams to the next level. And we we have been able to uh, increase the qualified appointments. They're able to schedule by about 73% without having to micromanage salespeople. Awesome. And, um, yeah, so what I learned in ballet class is first you warm up, then you rehearse, and then you perform. And the problem that most sales teams, most people that manage sales teams, most sales professionals, the problem that most of them encounter is they just jump to the end. They just jump to that performance and they're, they're skipping that all important. And we can go through the steps in the warm-up and the steps for the rehearsal that if you don't warm up, you're going to hurt yourself or your team is going to inadvertently hurt you and your bottom line. Sure. Um, they need to rehearse so they get the muscle memory, and then they perform.
1: Yeah, and this is important. But I agree with you 100% on this. I think that it's a task. Let me do the task. Let me get it done, like rip the Band-Aid off. But if you're... If if you're not in the right frame of reference, if you're um, if you're not, like you said, warmed up, you're going to get in and you're going to, you know, and you're going to kind of stutter and it's not going to go smoothly. Another thing I know when I coach my my clients, um, whether they're business owners or, or corporate clients that I'm working with a team, and I'm sure you see this as well. They coach to, how many sales did you make? It's a numbers game. Yes, sales is a numbers game, absolutely, and that's how we measure it. But I can't force someone, did you make your 25 calls? Instead, I have to say, Let me hear your calls. Let me hear what's working. Let me figure out what's not working, right? So I can show you, right, part of that rehearse, right, that repetition, so we can figure out your feet are in the wrong position. You know, that's why you keep tripping in the dance, right? Exactly. Right. So I feel like we don't spend enough time on perfecting. We just go to the task because I have 25 calls I have to make. And that's so dangerous. I know it's counterintuitive because I got to make my 25 calls. Calls. But the flip side to that is if you're not prepared and organized and ready for the calls and done the research for the client or whatever it is that needs to happen, all that prep work, you're going to fall flat on your face, right? Don't you find that to be the case, too, with, with uh, your clients from a coaching perspective as well?
2: Absolutely. And there are certain things that a business owner or a sales manager can have in place for their team ahead of time. Yes, so part of the warm up, actually, if you're the business owner or the sales manager, you manage that sales team. Part of the warm up is your responsibility to get things set up for your sales team so that they don't hurt themselves and they don't hurt you and your bottom line. That's right. And I want to piggyback on something you said about the the numbers game because one of I'm kind of on a crusade because people say so many dumb things about. This topic of cold calling. Yes. And one of the dumb things that they say is, "Oh, it's a numbers game. Dial the phone a hundred times a day, and if you're not getting traction, dial the phone two hundred times a day." And um, it is. This is a numbers game, but the real numbers game is about conversion. That's right.
1: <laughs> Results. Dial,
2: yeah. Convert the dials into conversations with the right prospect. That's right and then convert that conversation into a qualified appointment and, and let me share with everyone my, my definition of the word appointment. My definition of the word appointment is that the prospect agrees to have an in-depth conversation about whatever it is you're selling because I think sometimes people get confused. Uh, they'll say, oh, well, I do everything over the phone. That's okay. You know, maybe you get in your car and you go see people now, or maybe you do a Zoom call, or maybe you do everything over the phone, but you need to have the agreement. Like, yeah, I want to talk to you about this. And then you can have the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think it's the, uh, the commitment. That, yes, we'll block this time out in my schedule, but Wendy, you're going to block it out on your schedule and you're going to allow me an hour for us to have a really detailed conversation to figure out how and if I can help you. And the client or the prospect says, oh, sure, yes, I'll give you that hour. They're not looking at their phone, especially on Zoom. We can see that now. Um, I think more people are converting to Zoom. Although some of my clients are still doing the phone calls, which is fine. Um, but yeah, it's that commitment of time. That yes, I have I have blocked out my day for you, or blocked out that time for you. Another question, Wendy: Isn't cold calling dead? I know everybody says that too. So
2: yeah, that's it's that's always so funny to me, Connie, because I have been in business for about twenty five years. Twenty-five years ago, everyone was saying cold calling was is dead. And, uh, and please make sure that all of your competitors think that. But <laughs> the truth is it doesn't work the way it did 25 years ago. Okay. It works the way it works today. But it is still a very powerful tool. And I'll let you in on another secret because so many people think that cold calling is dead. There are actually fewer salespeople – calling your prospects so if you pick up the phone to introduce yourself your call is going to stand out because there's not a million of them
1: so true right um it's like the hidden gem like wait who are you right the pattern interrupt wait who's calling me i love it i love it but you know and i know that you've been in this space um like me you know i've been in business 20 years and i think we're peers from a age you know a demographic of age and Things shifted drastically with COVID. So we're doing a lot more Zoom, I think, versus I, I feel I'm on Zoom more than I'm on the telephone, which I kind of like because I like to see pi- people's body language and responses. And, you know, what you, where, you could see where they're like, oh, I don't know how to answer that or when they get excited about a topic, etc. So doesn't email, though, work better? And this is something that I learned last year about email marketing. So what's your take on that piece?
2: First of all, I'll say there's a difference between prospecting and marketing. They two They're related, but they're two completely different things. Okay. Um, the other thing I will say about this is there's actual research. It was done at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and they tested written communication against spoken communication. And you know so written communication is it's an email, it's a text, it's a social media post. It could be a letter. Um, Spoken communication uh, could be when you are uh, face-to-face with someone. It could be on a Zoom call. It could actually be a voicemail. It could be on the telephone. Essentially, what they found out was that if people hear you talk, even if it's on a voicemail, they are more likely to respond positively and take action on whatever it is you're talking about. So what we do, we actually teach a very step-by-step method. That includes leaving voicemails and sending emails. It's not one or the other. It's both. Use all the tools that are available to you.
1: Absolutely. And and it's funny because LinkedIn, to me, LinkedIn and Facebook, they're almost like an email resource, right? Some people are just more on LinkedIn than the, than the email per se because you've met on LinkedIn. But um, yeah, I agree with that 100% that you have to, hearing someone's voice. There's a level of sincerity. And, you know, in the in the marketing world, they, and, and again, I'm laughing because people say, oh, well, you know, you market. And I'm like, eh, marketing and sales. They're married, but they're two very different things. I am not good at copywriting. I am not good at crafting an email. I'm really good at talking, right? That's, that's my zone of genius, not writing. So they're very different different. different prospecting, right? And sales, they, they all go to get, I'm sorry, prospecting and marketing, they go together, but they're different things. So I believe that the like, no trust factor, I call it love, care, and respect. Same concept though, right? But I think people meeting you, hearing you, seeing you, feeling you, right? There's that element of feeling now, that exchange of energy. That's where the magic happens not written word on a blank document where, yeah, you could put a little personality in it, but not like you and I talking right now, right? With the inflection of our voice and, you know, the creativity of what we say and giggling and all of those things. You, you can't do that in an email or a LinkedIn post or whatever, right? It's exactly. And um,
2: marketing is a one-to-many communication, that's right. Marketing department writes the email. They hit send, and it goes out to hundreds or thousands of people. Prospecting is one one to one communication. I'm going to pick up the phone right. and call Connie, and I'm going to send her an email. And one of, one of the mistakes I see a lot are salespeople that send emails that sound like they were written by the marketing department. Like, just send an email that sounds like you.
1: Yes. Make it personal. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny. um, Recently, I reached out to someone I was trying to introduce to people and I I love this woman, Kimberly Crow. I don't know if you know her. She's she's just an outstanding human and she's like the connecting queen. But anyway, I'm trying to introduce someone to her that I think they could you know, she could speak and do other things that Kimberly does. And so my first thing is like, hey, how are you? I missed you. We haven't seen each other in forever. I think it's time for a show. You know, and and that was my that was my lead thing. And then I said, hey, listen, I want to introduce you to my friend. So it's very personal. It's very personalized and it's very directed at the person. If you know something about them, especially that you had a previous conversation, you keep the loop going. Right. That conversational loop going. You you pick up where you left off because it's got to be personal versus, like you said, that one to many email. It's not personal. It's just a crafted email. Right. Right, exactly
2: i 'll give you um, an example, a recent experience i I got uh, a, a lukewarm referral to someone in the u k
1: nice
2: and since i couldn 't really pick up the phone and call her easily, I just uh, sent her an email didn 't get any response. Uh, sent her another email uh, didn 't get a response, sent her a third email, got an auto responder back. I think she was on vacation, but she had like a silly little poem. Um That evidently she likes to write, I think it 's called doggerel, silly little poems, so I waited you know, looked at the date she was going to be back, and I sent her another email, and this time I sent her a poem. Oh I got an immediate response, oh, and we set up a zoom call, and you know it's it 's like moving along, but because i I learned this about her i didn 't know it, but I learned it about her. I responded in kind and.
1: And this goes back to what we, we started with a numbers game. Yes, it's a numbers game. You have to back into how many calls you need to make, how many sales you need to need to make to translate into the dollars, right? So we, we do have to back up into the numbers. The problem is that it's, it's not just about the numbers. So that, what you just described to me is that preparation, that fine tuning your messaging to connect with her on a personal level. That takes time. That takes research. That takes a little bit of effort. But here's the thing. You could have continued to send 10 more emails with zero response. And if you, if you had a sales manager, oh, I, I've sent her 20 emails what are the results? Whereas you found something very special and specific and you responded with something that she, she tuned into, right? She saw it. You, You jumped to the top of the list. It's personal. Sales is personal. And I think people miss that because they, they focus on the numbers that that's what I see a lot. I have another question. How do you get your team or a team to overcome that whole call reluctance. You know, they'll find everything to do and not make the calls.
2: Yeah. Call reluctance is, is a big deal. And you know, I have to be very candid and say there are some people that no matter what you do, they will never pick up the phone and talk to a stranger. Yes. And then there's everyone else. So if you think about it, um, when you hire someone new and you say to them, this is what most companies do. They hire someone. They teach them every last thing that they need to know about whatever the product or service is. Yep. And then they say, go make some phone calls. Go Go prospect. Go build a pipeline. And they have no idea how to do this. And that's what generates call reluctance. So – Um, If you, as someone who manages salespeople, has a system in place for them that you can plug them into, prospecting is actually very predictable, and you can set up a prospecting system, and you can uh, measure it and benchmark it and know what works, and when you hire someone, you can plug them into it and make them successful, too. And that is warm-up, rehearse, perform. If you
1: uh,
2: manage salespeople, the warm-up is what's the target? Define it very clearly. I talked to somebody yesterday. She – her company, they took six months. They're trying to teach her everything um, of course, it's going to take her more than six months to learn everything, but they finally decided, okay, we're going to set her loose on the phone, and she's not having a lot of success, so mm-hmm. I talked to her yesterday. She's probably going to do one of our programs, but um, she was all over the place in terms of the target. You, you need to very clearly define who they're going after. What is the profile of a good prospect? and, and Make it very narrow. And then, what is, and by the way, if you make it narrow, it's easier to find them, easier to create the message that's going to resonate, much more likely to get the appointment, and then much more likely to get the client. Then what's the process? Are they going to call? Are they going to email? Are they going to text? Are they going to use social media? What are they going to do? When you say to somebody, go build a pipeline, go make some calls, (laughs) what are they going to do? What do they do if they are making calls and they get voicemail? Do they leave a voicemail? How many? How often? What do they say? Same questions for email. So define the system. What are they doing? And then, last but not least, define the message. Don't leave it up to them. They don't know what to say. They're telling your story. That's right. So, you know, and even, Connie, sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen this, really experienced salespeople
1: do not know what to say on a prospecting
2: call. Absolutely. Prospecting is not the same skill
1: set as selling. Absolutely. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, it, it, see, and I love your three-step approach, right? It, it's that um, warm-up, rehearse, and then, you know, uh, perform. And we, I find that most people do not do the prep work. They do not do the warm up and they don't do the, the, the middle part for me is the craft, right? Because you can't perform unless you have your craft just perfectly set and choreographed and all of those things. And I, I find the first two is where, where most people are missing. It's funny. I remember, oh my goodness, many years ago, a client that I've worked with for, for several years, and one of the young ladies, uh, she it was a bank, and she was one of the customer service people. And she was so introverted, and English was the second language, and she was so terrified. And so, you know, she came through my program within the company. And the first time I met her, she couldn't even, Wendy, I asked her like a question, and for her just to answer, and she knew everybody in the room. They were all her peers, you know, from within the bank she couldn't even speak. So then when I did a role play, she, she almost broke into tears. So I said to her, you know, I gave everybody a break and I said, all right, just you and me, let's just talk, right? I just want to talk and we'll do the role play that way, but we're just gonna have a conversation. And little by little by little, as she came through my program and then through the years, so now I've known her about 10 years, she's now running a team she does business development, new business development. She's out there doing networking. She's part of the chamber. And I recently saw her at an event and she said, do you know I owe my life to you? And I giggle and, because she's still very self-conscious of her accent. And she says, but people understand me because she, she learned her craft, right? It's all yeah. about that preparation. But, it's a, but you have to build people's confidence, too, because if they don't think they can do it, they're not gonna do it so there's this whole arc of learning that I think we we especially sales managers if they don't know how to coach and teach those pieces right you need to hire someone like you or I to come in and Absolutely. teach and not only teach the employee but teach the sales leader how to coach it after you and I are gone right? yes so yes. yeah it, it's it's this that that craft building and learning that craft I think is a huge missing piece so I love I love what you're doing and I love the simplicity of the you know warm up rehearse and then do the performance. The performance is the 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 um the easy part almost right
2: yeah it what uh what it. enables the performance is that you've warmed up and you've rehearsed you know there's a very insidious myth about the born salesperson that somehow there are these people out there they're just born knowing what to do and what to say and um you know it takes 8 to 10 years to train a ballet dancer yeah. it won't take you that long to t- to train a um a salesperson we we teach people to set appointments in a matter of 2 or 3 months exactly How, however anna pavlova anna pavlova was one of the great russian ballerinas of the late 19th and early 20th century she danced with the imperial russian ballet uh, Ballet Diaghilev, she was the first ballerina to tour the world with her own dance company. Um, she very famously said no one arrives from talent alone. Work transforms talent into
1: genius. Yes. Yes. It's and had
2: she, yeah, She trained for eight years at the Imperial Russian Ballet School and if she hadn't done that, she wouldn't have joined the Imperial Russian Ballet or Ballet Diaghilev or toured the world.
1: Well, you know, what's funny, and I, I bet you see this, too. Everybody thinks people are an overnight success. There is no such thing. Right. <laughs> Even with social media, you know, you had a 100, a million views or whatever. No one's an overnight success. What was their backstory? There had to be stuff they did to be able to get to that point of being known for whatever that, you know, whatever the expertise is that they're known for. So really, there is no such thing as an overnight success.
2: no. No. And we actually um, use prospecting as a litmus test as to whether or not somebody is going to be successful. If one of our clients hires a new salesperson, brand new, they don't have a you know background in sales. Uh, they usually the client usually sends them to us. We teach them to prospect. We can teach them to prospect and set qualified appointments uh, for maybe somebody else in the organization that knows what they're doing. But you can teach someone to do that in a matter of weeks. Sure. And there are some people that will never pick up the phone no matter what you do. Yeah. And for everyone else, once they learn a very simple system and they know what they're doing and they know what they're going to say and they know how they're going to say it and if the prospect says A, they know they're going to respond B – then that that call reluctance goes away and you can make people really successful actually rather quickly.
1: Yeah, it's just it's knowing what to do is, I I think, the critical piece. What's the best way that you found to be consultative, even if it's a cold call, right? So there's no um, pre-work or pre-known information, maybe just a little bit.
2: Okay, thank you for that question. And now I'm going to say something really controversial. Which is, consultative selling doesn't work for prospecting. Consultative selling is something else. Prospecting is prospecting. The way I think about it, the way I think about it, prospecting is like asking someone for a date. If you want to go on a date with someone, you have to ask them. And if they say yes, then you go on the date. Prospecting is asking for the date. Consultative selling is going on the date. Yes. And people get these two things completely confused. It's like somebody wants to ask you for for a date, Connie, and they say, hey, would you like to go out Saturday night, uh, maybe have some dinner, and I want you to meet my family, and I want to meet your family. And... Um, <laughs> Do you believe in long engagements and do you want to have children? (laughs) Where do you want to live? No, you're not getting the date. I
1: love it. I love it.
2: So get the appointment. Remember, the appointment is the prospect agrees to have an in-depth conversation with you. Simple. So prospecting is asking for the appointment.
1: Absolutely. Keep it simple, silly, right? Kiss rule. You have
2: the appointment. Be consultative.
1: Well, because in the appointment, you have more time... To truly understand who the client is and what their situation is and how or if your solution is even gonna work for them, right? Because sometimes the reality is, and this is my rule of thumb, Wednesday, I have, when, when you get to the point where you're, you should be asking for the business or where they're agreeing that, yeah, we have something here, right? That I think you can help me, three things should happen. One, the client is, oh, how fast can we do this? Oh my, you're exactly what I've been looking for. Second one is, I say to my clients, you have so many things going on. You are not even ready for this piece of the equation. Let's get all of these pieces in place. In the meantime, we could get some foundational things going, but you're not ready for the, the whole enchilada or whatever it is, right? So again, let's do this. How fast? You're not ready for me. Let's, let's do some other things so that we make this, whatever this is, successful. Or the third one is, Wendy, where I've met people and I think, whoa, I am so not the person for you. You really need to meet your, what you're really talking about is marketing. It's not sales, right? So then you, you bring in your partners. So notice I didn't say objection because I don't ask for the business. If I shouldn't be asking for the business, that's where that ick factor comes in. Right? Yeah, exactly.
2: And people, when it comes to prospecting, when it comes to cold calling, because there is this fundamental misunderstanding of yeah. what they are trying to do. Um, People ask questions that are just not appropriate for where they are. It's like saying, oh. do, you, do you believe in long or short engagements and how many children do you want to have? Exactly. And they haven't agreed to have dinner with you Saturday night yet.
1: That's exactly so, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, we put the car for the horse too exactly. frequently, right? Really, real, yeah. real uh, quick between what's the difference between cold call and warm call? I know everybody's thinking, wait, 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 I'm getting confused, <laughs>
2: Okay. um i'm going to say not much and another very controversial answer because um, here's the thing you know this concept of warm, I think is a concept that was made up by marketing and salespeople. you know we like to label something and then we we think it's you know oh, oh it's warm they're just going to say yes to me and prospects don't think of themselves as cold or warm if you're talking to someone, they think well. Is this person saying anything I actually want to hear? Is this interesting to me? And so that someone has opened your emails certainly gives you an indication of what they are interested in, and you can craft an introduction that speaks to that. But too many salespeople assume, ah, they're opening all my emails. They must be ready to buy. So I, hi I see you're opening all my emails so and you're interested in product X. I want to talk to you about prod, product X and like I don't know what you're talking about. You know. So it it you still need to do all that same preparation.
1: Agree? Yeah, and and this is the the last question that we have time for, but how can we position our calls so that prospects don't think we're just trying to sell them something? Just like you in that example you just gave, it's like, "Hey, you open my emails, you're ready to buy, you know, product X." Right? How can we position the call so that it's not like I think people go into defense mode cuz like, "Oh my god, here it comes. Here comes the pitch." Right?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give you a two-part answer, Connie, because okay. uh, first of all, another potentially controversial answer, um, I think salespeople need to get over the idea that they're not selling. That, that's the first thing. You're, uh-huh. you're selling. You're, just, you're selling. Um, however, if you look at the sales cycle as a progression of steps and you are prospecting, you're, I think of it as introductory calling. Yes. If you're calling to introduce yourself, it's an introduction. It's not, "Hey, give me your credit card now." So, uh, you you have to, you know, you have to get that introduction. You have to get the agreement, to have the in-depth conversation. Uh, that's usually considered the discovery phase. Yes. You have, and maybe there is more than one of those kind of conversations. Maybe it's with multiple people. Um, and then you come to a stage where you can actually offer a solution if it's appropriate, and after that you close. But you don't go from hello to oh, you're ready to buy. Give me your credit card now, yeah. and it's taking you 30 seconds to get there. That's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I I love that you said that you're selling. Just own it. Yeah. You're selling, and yeah. and I I don't remember who, and it's not important. But in an email. They said, you don't have to sell to get business. Like, it was all about marketing as far as their position, because they were marketing people, right? And I read that, and I thought, oh, like, it infuriated me because I thought, no, marketing doesn't make the sale. I don't even know if I want to deal with you. I have to meet the person. There has to be some kind of conversation for me to even see that this is a match that you just you'll never. Yes, if it's a ten dollar item or a thirty seven dollar item, I bought stuff through the Internet too. where I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. It's thirty seven dollars. Ah, I'll read through the course. Or, ah, I'll read that book. You know, you never know. You pick up a tip or two. It's thirty seven bucks. But if you're talking a two, five, ten, you know, fifteen thousand dollar program they're not buying through an email or through an email campaign or because you, you did four videos and then at the end you put your offer out there I, I, I just for me Wendy, maybe I 'm just dense, but I, I just don't see that equating in my world
2: well let me let me share something with you that I, this is a number of years ago, but I went to an internet marketing conference that was put on by the Warrior Forum group of internet marketers and I was a little bit intimidated because they were all, you know, internet marketers and I'm a sales trainer Uh, but I went to this conference and it turned out that every single one of the presenters that were all selling very high level uh, internet marketing coaching programs uh, that started, usually the program started around $25,000 per seat They all ran telemarketing rooms, all of them. They were driving leads through their websites, and then they had people on the phone that were talking to prospects because nobody is going to click on a buy now button for a $25,000 program.
1: Crazy.
2: Yeah. And I was a big hit because I was the only one there talking about using the telephone
1: imagine that you see simple again it kiss right keep it simple silly because really the basics it's it's you know like Jeter when he go Well, I don't know if he still plays I'm not a baseball fan but that's just the name that popped in my head when he goes to to basic training do they do you think that the coaches you know you're Jeter go and sit down have a Mai Tai we're going to practice over here get out there do the fielding and the batting and whatever other things you got to go back to the basics because by the way the basics work right Absolutely. Yeah. And,
2: you know, if you're a ballet dancer, even if you were a star of American Ballet Theater, or the New York City Ballet, um, you take a ballet class every single day, five <laughs> or six days a week. Exactly. You take class. Exactly. exactly. And you've
1: got a teacher that's going, nope, that's wrong. Do it again. No, nope, still not right. Do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny. You know, my kids played hockey, even collegiate hockey. Now they both graduated. But they would have, when they did training, they would have what was called off-ice training. They would do, you know, weights and different things other than just their hockey moves, right? Those, right. those whatever that muscle memory is. They did those kinds of things, jogging, running, whatever. They did... Where they watched videos of themselves and they watched videos of the teams they were gonna play, and then they were on the ice doing the scrimmage. But that was like a little piece of the entire program. It's the same thing we're talking about. You gotta do all of that off ice stuff the the practice right the the class the ballet class to be able to really perform but we do things so backwards we want the end result too fast I think that's probably part of the problem in our culture like I want it now right I want it now it's crazy yeah Yeah.
2: and again if you've hired a brand new salesperson teach them to prospect you can do that in a matter of weeks or come to Connie come to me come to Go to somebody if you don't know how to do it. That's
1: exactly. But right. you
2: can teach someone to do this in a matter of weeks, and that's going to tell you right there and then whether or not they're going to be successful because if they will not pick up the phone to talk to, to prospects, they're not going to be a successful
1: salesperson. Maybe they you. should be in your operations department, yeah. <laughs> especially if they're yeah. a good employee, right, that you like them right. or, or they're, uh, they're intelligent. Guys, I know you need more Wendy. Uh, please go to her website. It's coldcallingresults.com. And if you have a specific question for Wendy about our conversation today, please email her at Wendy at Wendy Weiss, and it's W-E-I. I-S-S.com. You could also email her through the website coldcallingresults.com. Don't worry, all of that will be in the show notes so you can easily find Wendy. Um, you are my people, Wendy. I just love everything you said. Um, it's so simple, and yet it's not, right? There's so many exactly. sub layers to what we talked about today and so many sub skills. But the bottom line is um, uh, warm up, rehearse. Uh-huh. And then perform. perform. Yes, I love it. I'm always going to remember that, Wendy. That's so great. Thank you so much for that little tip. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed Wendy's insight. Um, It works, right? Again, going back to the basics works. Um, Wendy, thank you so much for being on and sharing your zone of genius. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I I loved hanging out with you. Thank you. I'd like
2: to offer our our listeners a a gift before we go. Oh, my gosh. And that is, yes, um, we have the Business Owner's Guide to Scheduling More Qualified Appointments uh, While the Prospects Are All Freaking Out, uh, written for the times we live in today, and um, also the Cold Calling Survival Guide. It's uh, it's a bundle, and I believe you have the link for that. You'll post that with the, the
1: show notes. You can download it. I will post that link uh, for everybody. Absolutely. Yes. Thank All you right. for that. I love, I love giving gifts to my listeners. I, I just feel like it helps them move the needle on whatever change or whatever's happening in their life from their career or business. So thank you so much for those gifts. I, I love that generosity. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. And I hope you will all join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that sales, making sales, growing business, whatever it is, getting more clients, wherever you are in your career or business, that my guests and I, we really hope you take these tips, strategies, and ideas and apply them. You know me, guys. It's all about the application. Take the tip, apply it, and that's where the results and the magic happens. But if you're not getting any results... Why are you bothering? Right. So put that effort in. It's worth it. The results become um, outstanding. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for tuning into the Heart Centered Sales Leader podcast with me, your host and Heart Centered Sales Leader, Connie Whitman. I wish you all just a wonderful, inspired week where Take one little step, challenge yourself just that smidge and see the magic that happens. I'm truly honored to have you on your journey and this journey with me. And I hope that you find value every week in the content. Thank you again. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Wendy.
0: You've been listening to the Heart Centered Sales Leader podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear Connie Whitman and her expert guests share tips, tools and strategies that can be implemented immediately. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember lead with heart, and your sales will follow.